2: FM
3: the Japanese have attacked Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, by air. President Roosevelt has just announced. The attack also was made on all naval and military activities on the principal island of Oahu.
2: Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan.
0: Well, I felt like I had to start that way mm. on this anniversary of Pearl Harbor. I think even maybe more so this year because of what's happening in the Middle East. And I think a lot of people made the uh, made the point in the immediate aftermath of what happened on October 7th, I heard comparisons to 9-11. I've had a couple of people even come on this show and say, look, it's more like Pearl Harbor when you really... Look at what happened, yeah. Yeah. and I can never remember. Fred and Sue, have you been to the um, to the memorial? I have not. I have not. Yeah, it's and I've been there a couple of times. And, and the one thing that I would relate is the first time I was there was probably maybe I've seen it three times, but the first time I went with my brother, and this was back in the um, the early oh, 1990s. Wow. My late brother and yeah. I went to Hawaii, and uh, he took me there. Actually, I, I had taken my brother to to Europe, and he took me, or maybe it was vice versa. He took me to Hawaii. And that was very generous of him, yes, and we had is. a good time. We hung out, but we went to the Pearl Harbor Memorial, and I, you know, the first two times I went, so maybe the second time was in the 2000s. There were survivors that were there, and they had their photo albums, oh, and they would wow. share their stories with you. Well, then, of course, second time, not as many, and now there would only be a, a handful of oh, people gosh. even around. But it made such an impression, just the fact that you know, there's still oil leaking all these years <sighs> later, down beneath um, the surface, and. I, took, I haven't posted this. I took a really good picture. I thought it was a really good picture of an Ameri- the American flag on the uh, on the memorial sort of peering up through it. And the problem is it's funny because when I took that for the first time maybe 12, 13 years ago, the cameras, we thought the cameras were really good. You look at that picture now, it looks blurry. So, yeah. so I, I don't post it. As much, but it's an important day, and I think that people do need to remember. um, I think I said something to you, Sue. You know, I've gone on this tear with World War II, and I watched Band of Brothers and I watched Saving Private Ryan. And Apple yesterday, Fred, announced something. Let's see if I can find this. It's called Masters of the Air, and the trailer was out yesterday. It says, From the executive producers of Band of Brothers and the Pacific, Masters of the Air. Uh, It says, When Spielberg and Tom Hanks is behind this um, big, big cast, too. Based on the book by Donald Miller, it follows the men of the 100th Bomb Group, the bloody 100th, as they conduct perilous bombing raids over Nazi Germany and grapple with the frigid conditions. So this one sounds really interesting, too, and it's going to be on Apple TV+. And I'll start here with with uh, a little bit of a framework of the show, but I want to get right into some of the things relating to the nonsense that's gone on college campuses, et cetera. John Levine is coming up this afternoon from The New York Post. We'll kind of talk about the debate last night. Did anyone watch the debate? Fred, did you watch the debate last I night? I did. yeah. Oh, good I think I texted you. you at the time because I was watching a little. I didn't see a hundred percent of it. I saw him beating the living daylights out of Nikki Haley. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, to a certain extent, I think they landed some punches on Nikki Haley last night. You know, I don't know if in the end that's going to matter. I also wonder who's watching these things. Like, are people, the people who are already aware of everything, are the ones that are watching? That's it, right. right. Yeah. That's what so, I would guess. I, I and They've know. already
1: made up their minds. Yeah,
0: I think they have. Right. So again, whatever happened to Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, uh, Vivek, Chris, Chris Christie just makes me laugh. Maybe doesn't even matter. Now we're getting closer here to people making decisions in their garages, in driveways, in Iowa. So if something happens where Christie might see the light and get out of here. Maybe we can have a little bit more interesting contest. And one of them, emerges from Iowa. I don't have a whole lot of high hopes for that, but we'll talk with John about that. We have William Jacobson this afternoon. He's a professor at Cornell Law School and has written about the anti-Semitism. Kilmeade is with us this afternoon. We thought we were going to have him yesterday. He had to change the schedule. And on the topic of Fox, Phil Holloway. And they're, they're making changes. This might be a little bit too in the weeds for you, Sue. I know your brother plays golf. I've played with him before, but they're making some changes to the golf ball to make them less not go as far i think that's very interesting it's weird and and even someone like me who follows this all the time and a big fan of the sport i don't necessarily understand all of it so brian katrick i got to know brian years ago when i would leave my, my show used to be till five o'clock when i was on cablex i get in the car and i turn on um pga tour radio not that i have satellite radio nope. it must have been a free trial or something like that <laughs> and i listen to these guys katrick and mcginnis and i like their show quite a bit and th- this is funny so you'll appreciate this at one point they were um, they were teasing something ahead on the show, right? They were promoting it like I just did here. Sure, and it was an exceptional tease. And I uh, I sent I didn't know these guys at the time, but I sent Katrick a message. I think it was on Twitter, and I said, "Hey, big fan! I listen to the show out here in St. Louis, and my boss would be so proud of you guys with, <laughs> with the promo that you did because it totally hooked me in." and He noticed that it said KMOX. Well, he's down in uh, the Atlanta area. Well, he knew of KMOX. He knew the reputation of KMOX because that was my handle. It was at Mark Reardon KMOX, and now it's at Mark Reardon KFTK. So (laughs) a couple weeks later after this, I'm in the car. Same thing. I'm listening to the show, and John McGinnis, who's really kind of funny, he starts. They start promoting something, and it was just a mess. It was just a disaster. And Patrick <laughs> says he references my. He goes, "Yeah, I don't think the guy from St. Louis would appreciate that. One. <laughs> that one is." And I happen to be listening. <laughs> oh, that's great when it happened. But he's a great guy, and he's going to break this down. It looks like John Rahm, who's one of the biggest stars in all of golf, is going to go to LIV. Now that's weird too, because remember the story from the summer where they're going to merge with the PGA. Some of that is still lingering right now contractually. There's a deadline at the end of this month. And again, I don't understand it, but Brian will be here in the five o'clock hour and we'll cover all of that. There's been a lot said this week about what's happened on these college campuses. And I have been one that's just been left almost speechless based on the testimony of the Penn president, the Harvard president, and the MIT president the other day. It was just absolutely outrageous, and I think it was something that was helpful because it put these people in academia on full display. And this, is, this isn't an aberration. This is exactly what these college campuses have become about, and it's shameful and it's embarrassing. Now, my fear, as I've expressed, is most of the parents out there, and let's face it, you've got progressives that really don't care about that. They're pro-terrorists anyway, I guess. That's what we've learned. They're still going to write the checks because it's Harvard and it's MIT, right? You still want that exceptional education. You have the, uh, what was it, the Board of Trustees or whatever the organization is at Penn. They went into like closed session this morning to talk about this. And apparently the president of Penn got a little nervous because she issued a statement. I'll play that to you, Liz McGill, who testified the other day. In that moment,
1: I was focused on our university's longstanding policies aligned with the U.S. Constitution, which say that speech alone is not punishable. I was not focused on, but I should have been. The irrefutable fact that a call for genocide of Jewish people is a call for some of the most terrible violence human beings can perpetrate.
0: Ah, Liz, too late. Okay, nice try, but way too late. And I'll get back to, I'll circle back to her in a second, and I'm going to play you some audio from Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen is an ESPN guy. He's a sports guy, right? But every once in a while on his show, he, uh, he does a radio show. He veers into the topics like this, and he felt motivated after hearing this testimony the other day. But let me juxtapose what you just heard here with a, a stunning piece of audio here. This is a woman who is at a restaurant. I believe she's in New York. She's a Jewish woman. And there are employees of the restaurant that are blocking her from going into the restroom. Now, she wants. there's another restroom, okay? But she wants to go into this particular restroom, which is a public restroom in the restaurant. Uh, well, it's a restaurant restaurant. Can you say public? Because private restaurant. But there's a sign in there that addresses the Zionists, and she wants to take a picture of the sign, and they don't want to let her in there. And this is what it sounds like. Apparently, this is a private property. I won't be going to the rest. Room. Room. Yeah. I do need you to leave. I know Israel loves taking private property and saying it's their own, but we gotta have...
1: You're not
2: going to let me go into mis- the restroom, so I need you to leave. We I have another no, restaurant. I want to
1: use this one.
2: You're not, they're not letting me. All you do to get is a video I'll of it. Of saying that,
1: and, that Zionism why are you afraid? If you agree it's... with it, why are you afraid that they will take a picture of oh, it? Why please? you? Of it. Why are you afraid? Then why are you not letting
0: me in? Because you're visible you Yeah, mean. Yeah. Yeah. Free Palestine. Free Palestine. It's always. They let her in. It's always. Yeah. Great. We love it. I, I, that is, I, I, I I'm in the know. position after seeing that last night too. So I don't, I don't even know if that's real. I think it is real, but it's so bizarre and it's so, it, it's full anti-Semitism on display. So let me wind it back to Rich Eisen because Rich Eisen felt inspired, and this is good because. Let's face it, I talk about people like this all the time. I don't criticize the folks that listen to music radio or or sports radio. I get it. Everyone has their thing, right? right? But if you're not listening to shows like this and and watching what's happening this week, you're going to miss a lot of it. So I appreciate Mr. Eisen taking this maybe to a broader audience, if you will.
1: Seeing the answers I saw and heard from the school presidents of those three institutions of higher learning to the simple question of whether they consider the phrase or the statement of genocide against all Jews to be a violation of codes of conduct on the campuses or considered a violation of the code of conduct in relation to bullying or harassment. And their answer is not being unequivocally, yeah, that violates it. Yeah. And just equivocating with a bunch of word salad and nonsense.
0: Well, now the president of Penn has said, well, maybe I should have said something different. Well, you had, you know, here's uh. the other thing. And I think she, you know, Mr. Eisen references uh, Elise Stefanik from the committee the other day answering the questions. Elise Stefanik gave these college presidents three, four, five off runs. Uh, yes. To say, uh, uh, yes. maybe, maybe you shouldn't say, let, let's see if we can get you. And they did. None of them took it multiple times.
1: The question was from Elise Stefanik of New York, asking the school president at Penn about whether genocide against all Jews was a violation of code of conduct. Her answer was, if the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Oh, so... We have to wait for the genocide to happen before you kick someone off a of campus. Is yeah. that right?
0: Yeah, that that's exactly what wow. they want to have happen. Now, let's keep in mind that these are the same people who, you know, put out statements about pronouns and how you know, pronouns right. are that's they they actually did something at Harvard called, yeah, preventing and responding to sexual harassment and other sexual misconduct, included a power and control wheel. This is a resource tool that helps students stop some of the most egregious behavior that's on campus, sizism and fat phobia and racism and white supremacy and identity abuse, cultural identity abuse. That's what they're focusing in on at Harvard. But, you know, anti-Semitism, that's not such a big deal.
1: Harvard's president said that genocide, somebody advocating for genocide against all Jews being a violation of their code of conduct, quote-unquote, can be depending on the context. What? Hey, by just allowing that speech makes people comfortable to commit the genocide. You understand that? By not being unequivocal and saying yes this is a violation, and anybody who violates it is off campus. They can't go to Harvard, Penn, or MIT by saying, well, it depends on this, that, the other thing. It's unbelievable. Makes them comfortable to commit the genocide.
0: Yeah. Well, in, I don't know. He's taking it to a, an extreme there, but I do think it gives them to, permission to act you know, in, in any way they want. In an anti-Semitism you know, Semitism yeah. fashion. that That's part of the problem. I don't know if it gives them permission to commit the genocide. Part of the problem here is some of these kids are such idiots. They don't even know what they're protesting. I cannot believe the
1: answers I heard. It is frightening to see those answers from people in positions of leadership and higher education. Are you kidding me? The answer is yes. When you're advocating for genocide against anybody. That's a violation of code of conduct and is a form of harassment or bullying. Forget the context.
0: Get out of here. Yeah, it's it's insane. And I think all three of them should be fired. And, and maybe Penn is looking at that because— you'd have to expect that there are alums and donors that were right. horrified by what they saw on Capitol Hill a couple of days ago. We'll take a break here. We're coming back. John Levine from the New York Post coming up. Also, William Jacobson, who wrote about some of these very issues at Cornell. He is a law professor at Cornell. He's going to join us in just a little bit as well. we got Sue's News in the next hour. We're loaded up here for a Thursday afternoon edition of the Mark Reardon Show. Hang in
2: there.
0: should mention as a programming note that I'm going to be out tomorrow and Monday. Mike Elam filling in tomorrow. He'll have a roundtable with Jane Mark Carter from the St. Louis County Council and former state senator Ted House, who is now a judge. All of that tomorrow, plus Cusimano is going to be here with Sue and Fred and Abby Paul Hall on entertainment as well. John Levine back with us this afternoon, political reporter for The New York Post. John, how are you? Hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. I'll go, I guess that's two weeks removed at this point. The time goes by quickly.
4: Yeah, it is. Thanksgiving was great. We still haven't canceled Thanksgiving yet, so we can still celebrate that for now. And I had a great time and saw the family, and it was fun, and hopefully we'll be allowed to do it next year.
0: I hope there was no cultural appropriation or anything else like that that took place at the Levine You know, household. Thanksgiving
4: is next. Once they finish Columbus, that's the next one. Yes, yes, and I think then you're right. It will be, and then it will be Christmas. Uh, well, step process.
0: Sadly, I wish that I would say that you're not telling the truth there, but I think you are. I want to get to some of the stuff that's happening on campuses, which is outrageous. But did you, as I would ask my guests this afternoon, did you watch the debate last night on News Nation with our four presidential candidates, it's, each of whom will not win the nomination? Did right. you Watch that.
4: I, I I caught parts of it. In all honesty, because look, I mean, it's a it's at best a vice presidential debate, and I don't. I. From a news perspective, I mean, there's not I think there's very little chance any of these people are going to be president. So it's it's not it's not the top of my list in terms of priorities. But, you know, it, it, it's interesting. It's there's there is sort of a. What might have been quality to them? And, you know, obvi- if, if Trump should leave the race for any reason, whatever it may be, it's certainly possible that his replacement could come from those ranks. But. It's interesting, and I think I, I, don't, I and I think all the candidates that are that are running have their merits, and and their various good points about them. But it's really it's a race for second place.
0: At this yeah, point. I guess they're they're just kind of holding on to hope that maybe something does happen. Meantime, I, I will say this, and I'm not the, the biggest Trump guy. I appreciate his accomplishments, but I, I can call it like I see it. And what he did with Hannity the other night was just classic Trump. And it was charming Trump. I mean, when he doesn't get nasty, and, he mm-hmm. gets, and to me, he gets nasty too often. When he doesn't get nasty, and people don't see through the humor, you know, that's why people like him. I totally get that.
4: Well, he's very funny. I mean, that that's what that's what liberals can't fathom or can't stand about the man, is he's very funny and he's he has an excellent sense of comic timing there's part of him that reminds me of like an old-timey borscht belt comedian from like the 50s that would perform in the cat skills that's (laughs) very local new york stuff but maybe you know if you ever should come to new york i can they can show you it and um he's just funny he's a funny guy and i think that's one of his secret weapons but you know he is older and that is one of the things that I mean, the case against Biden being this historically old man to run for office and, you know, clearly not being where he was even four years ago is going to be undermined by the fact that Trump would also be the oldest, second oldest person, you know, to ever run. Or I mean, I'm mean, Reagan. He's older than Reagan second term, you know. So it, it, it's one old man against another very, very old man. So.
2: Yeah,
0: well, that's what we have. All right, John, let's talk about some of the, uh, the things that happened this week on Capitol Hill relating to college campuses. I played this soundbite, but let me replay. This is the president of Penn, Liz McGill, trying to maybe save her job. In that
1: moment, I was focused on our university's longstanding policies aligned with the U.S. Constitution, which say that speech alone is not punishable. I was not focused on, but I should have been. The irrefutable fact that a call for genocide of Jewish people is
0: a call for some of the most terrible violence human beings can perpetrate. Yeah, it took her two days to determine that. Here's the governor, a Democrat of Pennsylvania. I
1: thought her comments were absolutely shameful. It should not be hard to condemn genocide. Genocide against Jews, genocide against anyone else. And,
0: John, I guess the, uh, you know, the curators or whatever they refer to them at the University of Penn, they they went into session this morning. I don't know what's going to happen, but wow. I, I even played some audio from Rich Eisen, who went on his, you know, show that's mainly sports going off on this. For people who well, saw it, they were horrified.
4: Well, that video you just played a clip of, it looked like a hostage video. You can tell that she was bullied into it. She didn't want to say it. And and she's she's trying to pretend like she's some First Amendment warrior that her 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 fidelity to the First Amendment is why she just couldn't say it was against the rules to condemn genocide. But none of these people care about the First Amendment. They don't care about the First Amendment at all. If you or I use the wrong pronoun at UPenn, they'd run you out of town on a rail. So it's not about free speech. If you, it's only free speech when it's stuff that they agree with. So she's not a free speech warrior, but. You know, I think her job might be in serious jeopardy. I think all the jobs of the college presidents that testified might be in serious jeopardy. Just today, Axios reported that a $100 million donation to Penn was just withdrawn by a major donor who was upset over the situation. Um, But look, I mean, I've always said at a minimum they need to lose their jobs. I think in our country, we're moving to a place that we really haven't seen in a very long time. And I said this recently to somebody. You know, in in the 1950s, when we were integrating black students into southern universities that were, there was a lot of resistance to that. And there was a lot of angry mobs of students and professors fighting integration. They created a very dangerous environment for black students on campus. And President Eisenhower sent in the 101st Airborne to forcibly integrate the schools, that's fact, into Arkansas specifically. And um, I don't know that we might not be approaching a similar place in this country where a much more robust federal response is necessitated to to bring order onto these schools because i really don't know what's going on but you know in a normal in a normal universe there'd be like a department of homeland security probe and and we'd have the fbi involved and it'd be a much more robust federal response
0: you know john if you said that seven weeks ago i would have thought you were crazy right but based on the evidence that has mounted here now you wrote about something that that happened at new york university with the uh, student bar president there explain that situation
4: well she I mean like there's one of these like every day. This is like I feel like every day I'm saying it's the worst thing I've ever seen. You're talking about Rena Workman, I believe. Yes, yes. Uh, she was the she was the president of the Student Bar Association, a very august position. She's a she's a they them, so writing the copy is like a nightmare. None of it makes sense. And um basically they threw her out because she uh, right after the massacre in Israel on October seventh, a few days later. She wrote some horrible newsletter to other SBA members basically saying that the entirety of the of the issue and the fault of all the things that we saw was Israel. And Israel was responsible for the deaths of their own people. Imagine it, it's like saying, you know, we were responsible for 9-11. And um, you know, NYU put out a statement immediately distancing themselves from what she said and her, her fellow students in a, in a broad vote of the, the law school threw her out. She had a very, very nice gig lined up at Winston and Strong, the same law firm that currently represents Hunter Biden, that has been rescinded. Hmm. Now look, you know, I don't like cancel culture, just for the record. I don't like cancel culture. I don't believe in cancel culture. There's an asterisk to that. If you're calling for like genocide and death of Jewish people and you're publicly proclaiming these things on college campuses, which apparently is not against their rules. (laughs) Uh, then i do believe in cancel culture and i do not believe people like that should just be welcome into civilized society i don't want someone like rena workman becoming a federal judge and that's what you know that's a career path she might have been on and these harvard and yale law types those are career paths they might be on i don't want them in the federal judiciary i don't want them determining the rules of the road for our country because they are bought into deeply insidious ideologies which unfortunately predominate on these campuses but um a lot of people are showing their face right now. That's the one silver lining of all this. A lot of people are showing their faces right now. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping notes and a lot of people are keeping notes. And there's going to be a lot of people five, ten years from now that are going to pretend like they weren't involved in this. But very, you know, names are being kept and notes are being made and lists are being made. And it's not people. The stains that you're seeing are not going to wash out ever.
0: Yeah, I've said something similar this week along the lines of that, you know, you try to search for a positive in some of this and the way that this is being exposed. Even when I opened the show this afternoon talking about Rich Eisen, because, you know, Rich Eisen's audience probably not watching those hearings like you and I did or reflecting on them. But he thought it was so important that he covered it on his show. And I think that's a good thing. John Levine, it's always great to hook up with you. I appreciate the perspectives. You have a great week. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Fresh off his trip here to St. Louis last Friday night, we had a magical night out in Eureka. Brian Kilmeade will be back with us at 425 right after Sue's News this afternoon as we head into the 5 o'clock hour. Phil Holloway, Fox News legal analyst, back with us. And then Brian Katrick, who's with PJ Tour Radio on the new rules on golf balls, which are a little confusing. And then John Rahm is leaving, apparently, for LIV, and that gets confusing as well. But we'll cover all of that here. In, uh, in just a little bit, in the four and the five o'clock hour, there have been so many really, really important pieces that have been written and published here since October 7th, and I found another one from William Jacobson, who is a clinical professor of law at Cornell Law School, founder and president of a group called the Legal Insurrection Foundation, and the headline of this piece was, Hatred of Western Civilization Stokes the Campus Anti-Semitism Crisis. Campus mobs would destroy Israel first, then America. I've made the case here over the last few weeks that this is really, a lot of this is about our way of Life. It's about Western civilization. And William, welcome to the show. I did you I think you did an exceptional job of painting the picture in a very appropriate way. How are you this afternoon? Great. Thanks for having me on. I've covered a lot of the atrocities, and we've talked about these professors and the things that they've said this week. But let me kind of skip ahead to the question that you ask here and your answers. And your question is, why did American campuses erupt with expressions of hatred for Israel and Jewish students? What could possibly motivate college students to act in such an inhumane, deplorable way? And we're still seeing this on full display. So you you go back a little bit to the 1980s, right? So explain your perspective on this.
3: Sure. Well, uh, I was there when what we now call critical race theory and critical theories and intersectionality and all those racialized ideologies were in their formative stages at Harvard Law School in the early 1980s. And nobody really paid attention to them then. But what they were doing is they were beginning, even back then, to cast the Israeli-Arab dispute in very racial terms, that they would build coalitions of non-white student groups against Israel. Now, it wasn't as strong. It wasn't as big as it is on campuses now. But you can see how over 30, 40 years that became institutionalized in colleges. And now everything in colleges is about race. And I know because I teach on a college campus uh, at Cornell. So every dispute is now in terms of white oppressor versus non-white oppressed. And that is how the Israeli-Arab dispute or Israeli-Palestinian dispute is portrayed relentlessly on campuses. And what happens is that Jews end up becoming a proxy for everything that these groups hate about our own society. So if you did one of Kamala Harris's Venn diagrams and you had things that were overlapping, you know, anti-American anti-capitalist anti-israel there is a huge overlap i mean it's not one circle it's still three so kamala can rest her mind on that but it's a huge overlap the anti-american activists are the anti-capitalist activists are the anti-israel activists on campuses but Israel becomes a very useful target because they tap into very deep strains of anti Semitism in the Black Lives Matter movement and in you know Black Panther movement, Louis Farrakhan movement, and so that's what happens. They use Israel as a punching bag. And what do you know? Most Jewish students, although you may not know it from looking at the media, the overwhelming majority of Jewish students support Israel. So what you have on campuses is Jewish students being demonized as white oppressors. And now it's playing itself out.
0: Yeah, and you know, one thing that I've said, look, you you're talking to someone here who has tried to expose some of this nonsense and certainly has talked about CRT and intersectionality and all those things for a long time, well before October 7th. And one of the things that's interesting to me is now as you point out, this is being amplified as the oppressed versus the oppressor. I mean, you hear it in the sound bites from these kids on the campuses and this as you point out, professor has been building for well, for decades. I guess the, the thing that pisses me off, I mean, there's a lot. But as you point out here, you have these college students, these young kids, uh, many of whom, you know, let's face it. They didn't grow up in poverty. They, they have trust funds, et cetera. They're at these Ivy League schools. They have no perspective on how fortunate they are to live in this country and the freedoms that they enjoy. And they don't ever think about it in other terms. And that's I, I don't know how you change that.
3: Yeah, well, I think people are living in an unreality. I mean, anybody who knows what happens when communism takes over uh, could not be in favor of it. And so they have no historical perspective. They have no historical perspective on our own country. The United States on campuses is portrayed as uniquely evil, like we were the only country in the entire globe who ever had slavery. I mean, they're not told that at the time we had slavery, and I'm certainly not excusing it, uh, it was a worldwide phenomenon. We were the ones who ended it. We of the first, if not the first, to end it. So they're, but they're not taught that. Everything is that the United States is uniquely evil, and they're taught the same things about Israel, that Israel is uniquely evil um, you know, because they have a religion that dominates the country. Well, there are 50-plus Muslim-majority countries who incorporate Islam into their laws and their privileges, uh, that's never called apart, right? So, you know, you have this demonization of the United States, you have the demonization of Israel as the useful tool, and you have essentially the paradigm that you have from the Iranian mullahs, which is the U.S. is the great Satan and Israel is the little Satan.
0: But Professor Jacobson, he is a clinical professor of law at Cornell. You you know that the indoctrinators live amongst you, right? These are the professors and the administrators. I, I give you credit. I don't usually it's people that write things like this that are you know uh, professor emeritus, if you will, not necessarily active. So it, it, it's unbelievable to me, and I give you credit for that, by the way. That that's that indoctrination. We've heard from many of these people. We've seen them rip down posters on video, right? That that's what's happened, and these are the people that are there and and again i don't know what you can really do about it at this point
3: well you know the the faculty is a huge problem it is a one-sided portrayal of the conflict Uh, it is something that does not reflect american general opinion on things and, and israel is demonized relentlessly you know a lot of people are aware that conservatives are not hired at universities or if they are hired they're eventually driven out same is true for pro-Israel professors. You are very, it's very hard to find, even on a campus like Cornell, which is not bad compared to some of the others. Uh, it's got its problems, but you'd find very few pro-Israel professors. Talk to any professor who's, or any you know, PhD student who's looking to go into academia. They hide any pro-Israel activity they've ever had because they know they won't get hired. And so you have just like you have a disproportionate, unnatural imbalance between far left and left professors versus professors who are moderate or conservative. You have the same imbalance. I would say it's probably even worse between anti-Israel professors and professors who are at least neutral or, or pro-Israel. And There are several thousand professors around the country who have signed on to the boycott of Israel. There are multiple faculty, large faculty professional organizations, like the American Studies Association, who have signed on to the boycott of Israel. The professors are an enormous part of the problem on the campuses, and it's one that no administration is willing to address.
0: You know, I I think about this lately. I've been thinking about this in terms of what's going to happen here in a couple of years in the uh, semi quintennial I I was 11 years old in 1976, and we're going to get very close to the 250th birthday of this country, 2026. And I I feel like half the country, certainly these younger people, they won't care about that, and they don't love this country. And and I don't even know if they want to be here. So where does that leave us as a country?
3: Well, it's what's very frightening, and we're already seeing the signs of this. Because a lot of people who were raised in the, you know, this culture on campuses have now moved on to big tech and high tech and positions of power. And that's a problem. And I think it's only going to get worse. I've said for many years that what's happening on campuses is a threat to our country's survival because they're balkanizing the country. They're setting groups against each other based on race and ethnicity and religion. And if you wanted to destroy our country, what would you do any differently than is happening now on right. campuses?
0: Well, that's a very valid question, and I, I certainly have appreciation for that. Before I let you go, and I don't have time to get into this, but I'm very curious because you have a website that's called criticalrace.org, and I'm ashamed that I don't know about that, but tell, tell me a little bit about that.
3: Sure. Criticalrace.org is a, a website where we have compiled uh, through interactive maps, by schools we now have over 700 colleges and universities and medical schools and business schools in it uh, how deeply critical race theory or its offshoots like diversity equity inclusion anti-racism intersectionality have penetrated into higher education and we have compiled that uh, beyond anybody else nobody else has this resource uh, we've had hundreds of thousands of people use the website performing millions of actions on it. and So if anybody is interested in what's going on at colleges, we don't have all 2,000-plus colleges, but we've got almost 700 at this point. You can go there. You hover over the map, pick your state, have a drop-down menu, pick your school. Uh, we think it's a really useful resource for people.
0: Well, I think it's awesome. I'm going to check it out for sure. It's criticalrace.org. Professor, thank you so much. Keep up the fight. We need more like you, and I really appreciate you coming on here on 97.1 FM Talk in St. Louis. Great, thanks so much.
2: Get more at ninety seven one talk dot com.